0: Turn your Bible to First John chapter three. Praise God, we are looking at the first part of verse one, and yes, there is that much in it. It is where the Apostle John writes, and he says, "Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God." And remember again that we said that the truth that God is our heavenly Father and we are His children is one of the greatest revelations in the New Testament. Amen. And uh, we looked at the ways that we get into the kingdom. We, we looked at God's love, that it was his love that brought us in. We saw the simplicity of getting in, Romans 10.9. We saw the miracle of the new birth in um, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Then we got to the place where we began discussing the benefits of being God's kids. Amen. And we went to Romans chapter 8. And I want to start there today. And... Uh, this is where the Apostle Paul writes in verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So that that established the, all of this is based on us being his kids. Amen? Because what he goes on to say next is incredible. Verse 17, Romans 8:17, he says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That is an incredible statement. Amen? And he says, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. There is no suffering of any description that you will go through that there isn't glory at the other end. So whatever the enemy attacks you with, you have a reward coming. It's not God testing and trying you. It's the devil. (laughs) Okay. So understand that if he slips in somehow, if we let our defenses down, down at any stage, and he just finds a way in and attacks us, God will give us glory. God will do something to reward us. God will bless us and blow a raspberry back at him. Amen. You know, that's how God does it. That's how Father looks after us. If, we, if the devil entices us and we slip, God will have the last say, if we let him. Amen? Amen. And uh, we also looked at Galatians 4, 7, where he, and we had to make this distinction where he, the apostle Paul again says, Therefore, you are no longer a slave. And he says, "But a son. remember again that we looked at the, the, the fact that we are sons, because the son lives in us. Amen. There's no distinction in Jesus Christ. And so that's the reason why the Apostle Paul says, "Therefore there is no longer a, excuse me, there, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ." So he reestablishes the fact that we are heirs of God, and he says, we are not something that the Old Testament people used to be. They used to be slaves. But he's saying we're not in that category anymore. Amen? That's why you have to be really careful when people preach from the Old Testament because they are really talking about slaves. <laughs> Amen? And <laughs> you're not. You're a son. Amen? And, and, and obviously a daughter, but you understand what I'm saying. Then we went on to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 to establish the fact that if you're an heir, what are you an heir of? So we saw here in Colossians 1 and verse 16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, therefore for you, because you are an heir. Amen? And we went on then to look at Psalm 24. I'm racing through this because I want to get to what we need to get to today. (laughs) We went on to look at Psalm 24 and verse 1, where it said that the the earth is the Lord's. Because, all right, if everything was created by him and for him and therefore for us, what do we have? What belongs to us? Psalm 24, 1 tells us, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Now we looked at the first part, amen, uh, the, the earth, about the earth and the mountains and the trees. We looked at all of those things, the oceans, that we have authority over all of that. Do you know why? Because it all belongs to us. See, if we look at it from a place of that belongs to us, it shouldn't be misbehaving we will take authority over it a lot better than what we you know when we stand and look at it and it's that against us there's a difference between something separate from us and something that belongs to you are y'all you here amen and so we need to approach things from that mentality that this stuff belongs to us if it's being naughty we need, <laughs> we need to say peace be still and it needs to stop hallelujah what's the problem say pastor i tried that nothing happened well, we need faith. We can't just be throwing words out there. It's not going to work. Amen? We need to grow in faith. And how does faith come? Not by looking at the problem and, and, and freaking out over it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. You need to hear the word. You need to hear testimonies. You need anything that will encourage your faith along. Amen? And then you hear somebody else did it. You think, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And you start moving towards that. Hallelujah. All right, so... But this latter half of Psalm 24.1 is what we need to be looking at today and what we want to look at today, where it, say, it says again there, I'll read the whole verse, it says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. So the second thing that, we, that this tells us is the world and all of its people belong to us as well, to some degree. Now be careful how you take this. You don't own everybody, <laughs> okay? But you are responsible for them. You see, when, you know, it's like a, a, a king over a kingdom. He doesn't own the people, but he are, he is responsible for the people, the, the good ones, the bad ones, things they own the, the people, okay? They don't, they don't own the people, okay? People rebel. That's why people rebel. Then the king realizes they don't actually own the people because the people are rebelling and they not want to kill them, you know? Okay, so we're not talking about that. We are talking about the fact that if we are heirs with God, and all of this stuff now that was created by God belongs to us to a degree, to where he says, I need you to look after this, then we need to understand how can we do that without violating people's w- wills. I'm say that fast, really. Okay? <laughs> all right? So how do we do that? How do we bless people without the will getting in, their will getting in our way? What can we do? That's what we're going to be looking at today. All right. So with that in mind, let's go first of all to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 32. One of the things that Jesus did without violating anybody's wills is that he taught them. You see, you can teach people and show people a better life. You can bring them to a place where they have Uh, maybe haven't thought about certain things in a certain way. Do you know that's what renewing the mind is all about? It's changing your thinking. It's you've been thinking a certain way and doing things a certain way and you've been in that rut for the longest time and somebody comes and says, have you thought about it like this? And you go, whoa, I have never thought about it like that. I just gave you one of those today. I just told you today that you know if you stop going at things as if it's that thing against you as opposed to you own that thing, okay? And it needs to listen to you. And if it's not working, it's not because that thing's bigger than you. It's just be- It just means that your faith isn't at the position where it can hear you. See, I'm changing your thinking. Do you understand? And so that's the kind of thing. So when you start thinking differently, you think, well, hang on a second. If that's the case, then I know what I need to do. And so you have a different approach to things, and therefore you have a better opportunity of actually um, living a successful life, an overcoming life, a fruitful life, a productive life, because you're no longer in that destructive thinking anymore. Amen? All right. And so that's what Jesus did. He took them from wherever they were, because the Pharisees and the scribes and all the people that were teaching them weren't teaching them good things. They kept putting bundles on their back, and we'll look at where it says. In fact, it said in Matthew 23 and verse 4, uh, Jesus says that they put bundles on your back that literally crush you with impossible religious demands that's how the new living translation puts it i really like that they they are so heavy they crush people you don't want to go to church and come out worse (laughs) okay you want to go to church and come out better can i get amen on that one hallelujah if you're going to a church and coming out worse please Come here instead. Oh, okay, you know, don't do that. But, well, if you want to. But the thing, the thing is, right, it should be better. You should feel ministered to. You should feel like, okay, I've learned something new. Amen? And see, the whole thing that, that's going on here is God is trying to reinstate us back to the place where He said, let us make men in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Not let everything around them have dominion over them. Amen? Hallelujah. And so that's one of the things that he did. And the result of it in Luke 4 and verse 32, the latter half, it says, they were astonished at his teaching for his word was with authority. You see, he didn't say, well, there's this opinion and there's that opinion. And well, that person said this and, uh, and it could be right. And then that person said that. And well, they could be right too. And totally opposing things. You don't know what's right anymore. You go home scratching your little noodle and thinking, I don't know. Did you learn anything? I don't know. Did he say that was right or that was right? I don't know. Both people, Two important people said they were both right. <laughs> okay, You don't want to do that. Jesus came up and he said, this is how it works. In fact, let's go and have a look at one of the things that he said in Matthew chapter 6, which we're going to come back to and look at it from a different perspective. And I'm going to read from verses 31 to 33. He says, therefore, do not worry. And they go, oh my gosh, Jesus is talking about worry. That's something we do all the time. In fact, you know, when we go to synagogue, we're sitting there worrying about what shall we eat, what shall we drink. Do we have everything, you know, uh, the ladies especially, do I have enough to wear? No, I'm kidding. No, the men too, the men too, okay. You know, these are real everyday problems. These are things that we, you know, these are basic things. These are not lavish things. And so this is where Jesus was different. He didn't go on about, you know, this, you know, this rabbi said this and that rabbi said that and this one over here had this thought. He said, hang on a second, let me talk to you guys. Are you worrying about things? Are you worrying about what you're eating, what you're drinking, what you're wearing? He says, let me tell you something. Verse 32. After all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now, when he makes mention of Gentiles, it's not you. (laughs) Okay? These are people without God. All right? At this stage in time anyway. And he's saying, listen, this is what the rest of the population that without God is seeking. And notice he goes and says, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Now, he does two things here immediately. Number one, he says you don't belong to that group anymore. You are not a part of that world system that you have to put yourself first. And if you don't look after yourself, nobody else will. Hello, what's in it for me? You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay, there is that system. And he said, listen, you're not a part of that system anymore. You need to start thinking differently. All right. And so he says, he says, you have a heavenly father in this one line. He, he just hammers a lot of things. OK. He says, number one, you're not a part of them. Number two, you have a daddy now. You have a heavenly father. He knows what you have need of. Notice he says for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. It's not that you want all these things. It's not that you. Well, it'd be nice if I had something to eat today. Any one of the five basic food groups? <laughs> you know, hello. Okay. <laughs> you know I'm trying to say? Jesus is saying, listen, man, don't worry about those things like people without God do because you have a father who looks after you and he knows what you need. Amen. All right. And notice he is now going to tell you how you get your need met. He's going to say to you, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. And he's going to say in verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's saying, listen, unlike the Gentiles who are seeking these things, he says, you seek God. You go after God. You find out how God wants you to live your life. And all the things that they are living their life for and trying to get, God will just give it to you. Isn't that fantastic? Do you know why? Because God doesn't want you to just exist. He wants your life to have purpose. He wants you to be living a life that has been designed and destined by Him to do great things. God doesn't plan anything down here. It doesn't exist. Our thought about God and His plans for us are down here somewhere. But God's thoughts about what He has planned for us is so far beyond what we can even ask or think, it will blow your mind. Amen. And he needs to ease you in. So many people think they're going to have to, you know, go down when they serve God. (laughs) Sweetheart, you got the wrong God. You you join this family and it's all up. Because God has this amazing little thing. He says, all things are possible to him that believes. If you can believe, you know, there's no such thing as impossible in God's kingdom you going to a kingdom that has that kind of mentality. What do you think he's going to ask you to do? Something down here? I don't think so. In fact, I know so. <laughs> okay, It'll never be down here. It'll be something so far up that he expects you to believe him, to trust him. The just shall live by faith, have their lives sustained by faith. And that's why it says without faith, it is impossible to believe him. Because your whole life then becomes a life of faith. It's a life of walk on water. Calm the storm, okay? You know, raise the dead, you know, going, please, God, I need a break. What's that? Okay? That's the kind of God we serve, family. Now, this might be so far beyond what you know, you might be sitting there thinking, Whoa, okay, you know, I I just need to know how to 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 get enough money to buy food, buy petrol, and get to my next job. Okay. (laughs) Listen, if I don't tell you this stuff, then that's all you'll be doing for the rest of your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? I need to set your sights high, and then somewhere things will begin to change in your life. Amen? And praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Even for those times that we petition God, this is when, this now goes beyond need, okay? Remember how he said, for your heavenly Father knows, in verse 32, that you need all these things. So your eating, your drinking, your clothes are under the needs category, Okay? So those things, your Heavenly Father will look after. If something is going wrong, it means that you're somewhere out of whack. You're, just, you're out of place in some way. Whether you're out of God's timing, whether you're out, uh, you know, geographically out of God's will, something is off. You need to find out what's off and get back in there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say? Because that will happen automatically. However, there are things that you think, well, mm, <laughs> thank you God for looking after all my needs. There's a few things on my want and desire list. Okay, (laughs) that is what the next part is about. Now we're still in Matthew, except now we're in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Jesus says, whenever it comes time to petition God, he says, ask and it will be given to you. He doesn't say, ask and we'll see. Like the parents do. <laughs> okay? And I apologize to my kids for saying that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, never mind. All right? But when it comes to your heavenly father, he says, ask, and it will be given. He says, and if it's something that you don't know and you need to find out, he says, seek, you will find. If it's a little bit hidden from you, go looking, you'll find it. Amen? And the last thing he says is knock. If you come to a door that is closed, don't, don't just turn around and walk off thinking, well, the door is closed. You know, I'm using a metaphorical door, okay? It's not a literal door. But you understand what I'm trying to say. If, if there is something that you, you are going towards and the door isn't open on that, don't walk away. Look what the verse says, knock, and it shall be open to you. Amen. Which means it takes a bit of effort on your part. In every circumstance, you need to do something. In the first circumstance, you need to ask. Use your words. (laughs) Okay? In the second circumstance, you need to seek. In the third circumstance, you need to knock. And verse 7 says, for everyone who asks, receives. Oh, Jesus, I wouldn't have said everyone, (laughs) you know. I would have said most of the people that are good people that do the right thing, if they ask, they'll receive. Can I just tell you why it says everyone who asks receives? You will receive something. You will never ask God for something and walk away without anything. What I mean by that is this. Even if God replies you and says, not yet. There are things that you don't know about this that will hurt you right now. You shouldn't be having this. So, and and if I was able to talk to you, if you were if you were, were able to listen, I will tell you. But you know, some sometimes we're not up to the stage where we're ready to listen to certain things. Oh, can I be just honest about some things? Okay, and we don't want to hear some things. And so, God, you know, that's the reason why He says you need to walk by faith, not by sight, because there are some things. If I told you what you know why this is going to end up, you're going to argue with me about it. You're going to know better. The thing is I know. I don't know better. I just know. (laughs) Okay, God knows where things are going to go. That's why you get a a thing in your spirit sometimes to say that's not the right thing for you to ask. Have you ever started going in a certain direction and you feel wrong? It might be a good thing, but it's not a God thing. You want to say yes to something because you want to be nice. And God's going, don't say yes. And you're going, I don't want to be horrible. I have to say Yes. Sometimes say no, because otherwise you say yes, and you regret, you regret it for the whole rest of the time. I remember a preacher person, that, that's, <laughs> he was praying over something. I ought to talk to you about good and God, okay? And he was praying, and uh, uh, <laughs> he said he had an invitation from this particular church to come. And he, he went to God, he said, I'll pray about it. And he was wanting to say yes straight away. And he said, let me just pray about it, because he knows better. Okay, and he went to God, and the Lord said no. And he said, yeah, "What? huh? You, you, uh, you don't want me to go, you don't want me to go and preach here?" He goes, "No, I don't want you to go.", uh, I'm not going to call them it. you tell them that, I'm not going to tell them that." <laughs> okay? And so he said, "No, you're going to do it." He goes, "I'm not. I'm not going to tell them that. He's a nice person." He asked nicely, I, yeah, I don't want to be horrible." I'm not going to say no. He said, you tell them no. You let them know that I told you to say no. He said, well, that's different. So, uh, hello. See? Okay. So he called back and he said, you know, I, I've been praying about this. And, and I'm sorry I'm taking, I, I've taken so long to get back to you. The Lord said, no. I don't know why. And the guy goes really silent on the other side on the phone. And he's thinking, oh, God, here it comes. I, to- I told you, have said no. And he said, I don't blame you, preacher. He said, what? <laughs> he said, I wouldn't come here either. You know, this bunch asked whether you could come, but I tell you, they would rip you apart. <laughs> Hello? And he said, I'm, I'm sorry, they, they asked me because they thought maybe I could get you here. I didn't want to ask, but I was under obligation to ask because they asked, and I was hoping you'd say no. Do you see that? Do you see between good and God? Amen? Hallelujah. So, you know, there are times, one way or the other, ask and you will receive. You will receive an answer. If not the thing, you will receive an answer as to why you're not getting the thing. Amen? If it's a thing. All right? He says, for everyone who asks, receives. That's why he says everyone. And he who seeks, finds. And that's the she's as well. And to him or her who knocks, notice it didn't say it might be opened. Now, I've said this before, and let me say this to you now. Can I give you a warning? Some doors you shouldn't knock on. Because the the Bible says if you knock, it will be open for you. Now whether you should be going in or not, that's up to you. But we'll open it. Maybe suggest you don't go in that door. See, these are some of the things we need to learn. This is why I'm sharing this with you. Because I have had so many people that have said, Well, it looked like God. I knocked the door open. I went in. Obviously, God opened it to say it was okay for me to go in. And then years later, thinking, did I do something wrong? Yeah, you shouldn't have gone in that door. Amen? I could give you examples, but I won't. I'm hoping you'll apply to your life appropriately. All right. (laughs) So that's what... Matthew means. So these are the things that Jesus taught. Let's get back to this. All right, these these are some of the things that you can do. You can share things just like what I did right now. I didn't violate anybody's will. I'm teaching you something. It's up to you how you take it on board. This is how we can look after the people that belong to us. Because everyone now, in one way or the other, you are responsible for everybody in your life and in this planet. In one way or the other. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. Okay, and don't don't let that weigh you down. Understand that this comes from a place where you are royalty now. You are a king and a priest in God's kingdom. You have rights. Don't get upset with other people that they didn't do something. Let me ask you, what did you do? Hey, you could have done something. Amen. So these are the things Jesus taught. And that's what Matthew means when he goes on to say. now in Matthew chapter 9. So we looked at Matthew 6, chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. Now we go on to Matthew chapter 9. Having said all of those things, Matthew 9 and verse 35 says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Do you see that? He just taught people how things worked. He taught them how to live life. He taught them how to, to, to walk by faith, not by sight. He taught them that you can trust God. We're going to look at one of those things. Those are one of the key things that belong to us as kids, okay, as children of God. Uh, that's next time. all right. But he, he taught them all of these things. He shared with them things that they had never heard before that would change their heart, change their mind, and change their destiny. Amen. Hallelujah. And some of those, some of them took a hold of it and went to do great things, went on to do great things. But notice it doesn't stop there. Again, it says in verse 35, then he went about all the cities and villages teaching this and he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And what's more, it says healing every sickness and every disease among the people. See, that is something else that we can do to be a blessing. That is something else that we can do without violating people's wills. Amen. We can be a conduit. We can be people that stand in the gap for others, that pray for them. Amen. Without violating a will, you can do that. Now, you need to understand what they want from you. And they need to be clear what, what you know, they want from you. Because you can, don't be the person that decides what you should be praying for them. Hello. <laughs> okay. That's when you violate their will. Don't do that. You check with them. What do they want? You know, when people come up for prayer, for example, let me give you an example. All right. Somebody comes up for prayer and they've got something wrong with them. All right. There are times when I'll ask them, what do you want me to pray? Because normally I will pray that God will supernaturally heal them. But you know, there are some people that will come up and God will say, don't do that right now. I'll say, oh, okay. (laughs) Ask them what they want. And you know what they want? They don't want a supernatural healing because they can't believe for that yet. Listen to me. So they'll say, Well, I'm going to the hospital, can, can you pray that everything goes well? Absolutely. See, don't underestimate what God can do. And don't ever um, limit, you know, what God can do. Don't say to people, Well, if God's okay. if you can't receive healing here, brother, well, you're on your own. You know, see you later, go to the hospital, whatever, you know. Don't do that, okay? I know preachers that do stuff like that. Can I say this? You can get God involved anywhere. anything. So if a person can't receive healing right now, and if they can believe, listen now, that God will be with them in their surgery. God will be with them in the hospital. God will be with all the medical staff looking after them. We'll pray for that, okay? That the people that are looking after them don't do something dumb. Like, oops, did we have six clamps or five clamps? And we've already sewed the person up. Let's just scratch it out and say five, shall we? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, later that week, how? <laughs> okay, I think you left something in there. This is a true story. That's why now they count everything. Amen. Seriously, they count everything because what? Whatever <laughs> they took into the, they better bring it back out because otherwise something got left behind. Amen. Amen. So you know what I'm trying to say. You can pray that. Whatever dumb thing somebody might do, remember the devil's out there to steal, kill, and destroy. That God is there watching over everything that is going on and making sure nothing is left behind. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, but the other thing is also remember Jairus' daughter very quickly. Remember that when Jesus went to raise her up, he got rid of everybody from the house. Remember, he he says, and he put them all out. (laughs) Okay, one little sentence. He threw them all out. Okay, and even didn't take all of his disciples in. He only took three of them in because he needed faith in that environment. Because the mom and dad were having an issue. Because there was a dead girl there. They were grieving. The last thing they needed was people to assist their grief. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so it wasn't for Jesus. It wasn't that Jesus couldn't perform a miracle in the midst of unbelief. My goodness, he's done that so many times. But he didn't want the parents to suffer. Isn't that incredible? Amen? Let's move on. Uh, In addition to all this, you can also bless people without violating their will, by providing for their needs, as Jesus did when he fed the multitudes. We'll finish with this in Matthew chapter 14, in verses 15 through 21. Let me read it. It says, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, and the hour is, is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. We don't want to feed them, Jesus. Let them get their own stuff. <laughs> okay? Can I just... That's what they're thinking. We can't feed this group. They got money. Let them buy their own. That's how the world thinks. But Jesus... no, the but. <laughs> but... Jesus said to them, uh, they don't need to go anywhere. Uh, he said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. What? <laughs> okay. All right. see, see what the Lord does. He says, stop sending people away. You do something about this. Because I, I don't have enough to do anything with. So, this <laughs> so they said to him, let's go to verse 17. And they said to him, uh, and probably something like this. Uh, we have here only five loaves and two fish. You know what I'm saying? You know, I can't feed that with this. It's a little impossible. See, they are bringing an impossible situation to Jesus. They're saying, Jesus, I know you have a good heart now. And you want to bless everyone and everything. But the fact is, we don't have enough to feed that bunch. Knowing them, they'll want seconds and thirds. Hello. (laughs) Okay? I'm telling you. (laughs) One time isn't enough. You know, bring us some more. We've been here a long time. Amen. They've been fasting all day, listening to Him teaching. They are very hungry, okay? All right. And so, and so what, notice what Jesus does. He said, see, Jesus takes the responsibility. He said, you feed them. They said, this is all we have. He said, bring it to me. All right? And that's what verse 18 says. And He said, bring them here to me. Then He commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. I, I, you know, I would just want to share this very quickly. Can you just imagine... How the disciples are feeling right now. Remember, nothing has changed. How many fish do we have? Two. How many loaves? Five. How many people? 5,000 men. Not counting women. We're going to find out later on. This is a big group. And Jesus says, bring what you have. This is all we have. Fine. Get them all to sit down. Why? (laughs) I would have asked that. I, can I just be honest with you? If I was his disciple, I'd go, why? We can't feed him with this? Are you kidding? It's going to get ugly. After the two fish and the five loaves are gone, the rest of them, I t- you know, they'll be eating each other. Hello, Phil's on the menu today. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Do you see what I'm And he says, sit them all down. Ah, you know, I would just, had Jesus multiplied the food first and then said, sit them all down, that would have been different. Because I would have been like, yeah, baby, sit Use oh, The man, he the man. He the man? Who the man? He the man. He did it, okay? Look, he took this man, and he did this. Sit down, sit, sit. We're feeding you, you bunch of lazy, okay? No, <laughs> that is not happening. There's two fish, five loaves. Sit down, please. Why? Sit, just shut up and sit down, okay? Just sit, sit, okay? Because we can make a getaway, because they're seated. Take some time to get up and run after us. Sit down, sit, okay? <laughs> I don't know. I'll be thinking all that stuff. Maybe Jesus is giving us an advantage here. Okay. <laughs> he said, sit them down. And, and he took the five loaves and two. See, there's still five loaves. So all of these people are now sitting down expecting something. And all the disciples know there's nothing. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know. And I reckon they're all looking at Jesus going, do something. The little tiny bubble with the light, tiny writing because you don't want anybody else to hear. Okay? And he took the five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. Notice what happens now. He gives it to the disciples. Now, I want you to imagine something. He gives to the disciples, and they're going, they're walking away with this huge basket, and they're going, how many loaves did we have again? Oh, five, dude. How big were they? I mean, you know, were they like foot What? What is this? I've got, a ba- I've got a basket full of not just loaves, but fish as well. Verse 20. So they all ate and were filled. And this is the way it ends and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained how many disciples 12 how many baskets 12 this is a very big donkey bag i mean huge they got it for they are good for the week i mean they each have their own basket i mean peter eats very fast that's okay he's got his own basket I got mine, mine the last two weeks, okay, I got kids that are like that, okay, I have to buy them separate things, anyway, they consume at a different rate, okay, all right. okay, and I don't want the one that's consuming at a slower rate to pay a penalty, all right, back to this, and it says, they took up 12 basketfuls of fragments that remained, Verse 21, this is the way it ends, it says, Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now notice how Jesus didn't violate any of their wills. He taught them, He fed them. He fed them spiritually, He fed them naturally. And they were very happy to be fed. But they weren't forced to do anything, to receive anything, to accept anything. Can you see how you can be a blessing to people around you without violating their wills? Amen? So don't ever get to the place where you say, well, I mean, I can't do this. Like, don't look at all the things you can't do. Look at the things you can do. Find out from God what you can do. Do what you can, and then leave the rest up to God. You know, once you've done your part, you, need to, you must not take the responsibility of whether or not, you know how they respond to it and what they do with it. That is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to give it to them. Their responsibility is to do the right thing with it. Amen? Alright, we're going to have to <laughs> uh, stop there and we'll pick this up next week. Let's have every head bowed, every eye